All right, this is John. And this is Sean. And this is Movie Night with Sean and John. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is John. Oh, and this is Sean. This is movie night with, with John, John and Sean. Um, we're fresh out of the theater on um, one of my favorite movies of the year now. Man, Candyman. Yeah, I, I kept my expectations low, but I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I guess you could say that about like everything in life. Maybe if you go in with like limited expectations, you might get more out of it. But this time, it paid off at least. Yeah, I feel like I also made, uh, I don't know that I made an effort, but I did not go into this one with a lot of like um, research oh. into this movie specifically. We watched the, the original, right. we're going to talk about that one as well, but yeah, I didn't like look at the trailer, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't even know that Jordan Peele wrote like the, the screenplay. Yeah, I didn't realize that until we saw it in the credits. I only watched trailers if they came up. Uh, like when we were at the theater to see other things, I saw the poster. I know this is supposed to come out last year and got delayed, but um, I've been, I guess, intentionally trying to stay away from yep. it because I wanted to have that like kind of fresh uh, experience going to the theater. I really like this movie. I thought, and I've been looking job. forward to this for a while too. So the fact that it uh, that to me, you know, it, it it was really really different than what I was expecting, but in a good way. Yep. Um, that's just a pleasant little cherry on top for me. When we were talking about this too, and we'll get into the original in just a sec, but like, I don't know that there are very many sequels in general, but horror sequels specifically that are operating at this level, which almost yeah. might exceed the level of the original in some ways. Yeah, it basically never happens. Like, if you think about any big, like, horror, like, just name a random, like, horror series. Yeah, like, like Halloween 2 is nowhere near as good as the first one. Right, and it's okay. Scream 2 is actually... Scream 2, that that might yeah. be the exception, yeah. You might have... Because we were trying to think about it earlier. And I'm I, like, there's nothing no... came to mind until right now. But... Scream 2 is really good. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Halloween 3. I know that it's not <laughs> conventionally good, but to me it's like so weird that I, I really like it. Um, there's uh, like one of the one or two of the Nightmare on Elm Streets that are like not horrible, but, but yeah, they're, not, they're right. not like great movies. You know, they're just yeah, like not there's no, bad. You know, uh, the next, you know, Jason films are, you know. Right, and Maybe there's like, aliens. You could argue aliens. Oh is yeah, horror. yeah. But a aliens by the second one's more of like an action movie almost. It crosses over. Yeah. Yeah, because James Cameron. Traditional horror sequels that exceed the quality of the original or match it, I think, is limited to just a, f a couple, if that. Yeah, and I usually go by like the Exorcist scale. Like Exorcist one is great, <laughs> one of the best movies ever made. Exorcist two is one of the worst movies ever made. Like it, yeah. you know, it a lot a of horror lot is of like time. that. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I guess spent the last week, I guess, rewatching some of the original Candyman and then some of the sequels. How many did you watch? There's, there's only, with this one, it's four. So there's Candyman one through three and then this one. And you've seen them all? 
Yeah. So <laughs> by the time Candyman three, that's sitting at a eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes Ooh. right now. By the time I was done with that one, I was just like, it can't be worse than yeah. this. There's no way. See, you've set it up in a certain way too in your mind. Probably you're just like, this is just the sequels are yeah. so bad. And I yeah. So I went into this one, you know, not hoping for the best movie ever made, but hoping for better than that eight percent. You yeah. know, better. That's interesting because the original is really good also. Yeah, yeah. That was my only exposure to this movie at all was I know we saw the trailer, this was like maybe last year in the theater, which is like a shortcut, just kind of like just some of the... Like a quick tease. Yeah, it didn't have anything really narrative-wise or or hint at anything that might be uh, involved with the first film. I didn't even think this was a sequel. I would say this is a... A soft reboot. Well, like a, not, but I also like, think it's a direct sequel. I mean, they come the right one. back to the first film so many times. But, um, yeah, the first movie is very, really very good, and that was my only exposure to the Candyman uh, world. So I did enter into it with some expectations, but even the sequel, I think it exceeded my expectations. I thought they did a really good job. But we should start with the... Candyman OG. Tale. What what's time period is this? 1992 is the original that's one. That's what I thought. So yeah, that's right. So uh, man, yeah, I guess let's dive into it. Candyman, uh, 1992, not to be confused with Candyman 2021. <laughs> um, I don't know why they just. It's like call it the Candyman, even you know. Give me, give me some. Candyman's. <laughs> they're, give me some. They're, they're s like aliens. Um, <laughs> no, man, um, sometimes I, I, I kind of think back to 90s movies like, you know, mm, I, I wouldn't say like corny, but they're set in a certain period. No, I but think corny But sometimes it kind of works to an advantage like this. Mm. Rewatching this one, seeing like the. You I don't know, think of this as corny at all. No, well, that's what I mean. So, like, when they go, like, there's a, a scene in this one when she goes to investigate and they go to, like, the kind of hood in Chicago. Yep. And they got, like, badass, like, starter jackets on and, like, fucking cool. Yes. Like, I see. I'm I like, see, I see, oh, see. this is, like, 90s in, like, a really cool way. Like, how you would kind of throw it back now if you made, like, a retro 90s movie. Like, oh, we got to have them wearing, like, stylized a little cool bit. Cool gear and, like, the, yeah. But, um. A little bit of a style, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, well, I guess before we get too deep into it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do how a do, brief Yeah, we should synopsis. set this up. Okay. Because so, this is, a. Uh, I think for its time, this is extremely ahead of its time. The content yeah. of this movie is like really just having seen it for the if I had seen it in the past, it was in passing. I only saw it for the first time very recently. Subject oh, okay. matter is like uh has aged particularly well, I would uh, Yeah, surpri- surprisingly well. Yeah, let's get into the so, synopsis. So Candyman centers around um I guess a, a, a professor or a student at, at a university in Chicago. I think she's like a doctorate student, maybe like an advanced student. She's writing yeah, a thesis or something. She's doing a thesis on kind of like folklore and like how that shapes Native society. to a like a very specific project community in Chicago. Right. So it's, so it's close to her. It's a community that's near her and she's interested in like. Uh, I guess like the folklore of Candyman and like how it, you know, how that Candyman is a tale that's native to these, uh, right. To the specific area. Uh, what's the area? It's a, it's a, uh, a housing complex. Fuck. Wait, wait, scroll up. Uh, it's a housing complex. It starts with a G cause they, they, they name it in Something this movie green. too. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that. Wait, but it's, it's, it's it, this 
folklore specifically centers around this uh, community. Right. That was historically like a ghetto or like a housing project. And so she goes kind of to, to go investigate for herself to get some stories um, from like the locals. Yeah. And as she gets deeper and deeper into it, she summons Candyman herself and starts witnessing like firsthand like the, the lore. The true, yeah, like the true essence. And then, man, uh, the way this one's set up, it's like a psychological thriller almost more than it is a horror movie. As it progresses, uh, the main character, Helen. There's is, some question as to like whether haunted. she's doing some of this stuff. Well, right. She's she's sort of like almost like haunted or possessed in a way, in an essence, by, by the Candyman uh, lore or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, well, so I think it, that the she kind of becomes like the embodiment of Candyman in a way. Yeah, and the movie almost sets it up to where she is going to be be the um, victim of these crimes, and that she almost is is seen as like the perpetrator. Right, and it sets some of that up. And that's what's interesting about the great Tony Todd, and this is a great, <laughs> yeah, amazing, we need to talk about this cast, amazing the cast performance. But Tony, I mean, that it's a really iconic, like, classic line, like, be my victim. But it, she really is victimized. You know, he's pulling all the strings. He's ma- the one making these things happen. Or is he? I don't, you know, right. it's kind of left up to, like, the the viewer. Like, is there is there a Candyman at all? Yeah, is she mad? Like, is, is she... she possessed by the Candyman spirit? Or is, is she just so deep into, like, you know... That, yeah that lore that she's acting out these things yes but uh yeah let's go into the in the cast a little bit so virginia madsen uh plays helen which i just found out like a couple of days ago that's michael madsen's sister yeah you were telling me that and michael I madsen had no idea yeah she doesn't look at all like like uh michael madsen but he's a he's a popular <laughs> player in the quentin tarantino Dude, films. reservoir dogs yeah. kill bill yeah uh tony todd this is masterful like, man and he's done a ton in his career this is what he's most known for he's you know made cameos in all kind of horror movies x-files episode he's yeah. in uh yeah he plays like a he's vietnam a soldier look. that gets part of his brain cut out and they don't <laughs> sleep and he becomes telepathic because they remove part of his brain <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he does he has a distinct look and he has a really uh he has a really like powerful voice and yep. i think that's almost more than the look, it's almost like his voice. Like he has this like Shakespearean almost kind of like theater, yeah, actor presence, voice. Quality. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what makes a lot of the original. Like you were saying, um, kind of getting out of you know while we we're walking out of this one, you're like, man, I do kind of miss like some of that dialogue. But yeah. that's Tony Todd. That's a hundred percent Tony Todd. Yeah. That's his delivery. Yeah, almost more than the lines themselves. It's I like think you were right presence. also in that you can't pull too much from what makes the original so great you have to make something of your own you gotta have your own voice yeah Yeah. and it has to be great on its own stand on its own so tony todd's incredible in this xander burley this guy's been in tons of stuff too vanessa williams um she comes back yeah she's also featured in Candyman 2021 but yeah so helen lyle is played by virginia mads and she's like this doctorate student who's doing all this research going to this uh project community and talking to the residents about the lore. And then she, and it's funny, it's like, and I think there's so much social commentary in this movie, but it's it's not specifically spelled out 
in the way that the newer film is. This is like a little bit more, to me, it's a little bit more poetic in that it's not it's not literally telling you exactly what it is. It's just like, this is a white woman in a black community who's right. like doing research about s- some traumatic uh, elements of this community. And she's kind of arrogant in thinking that there's no way this is real. Uh, right. She can some just walk that, into an area that she's not from or like She's not a understand. part of that community at all. And she can just trailblaze her own way and just walk and start asking about um you know these murders or the lore behind it which involves like uh elements of like uh obviously racism but like even slavery i think the characters the the well candy original candy man Man was a freed slave so like there's a lot of racial elements obviously but they're kind of underneath the surface and the whole movie is really unsettling like very tense yeah but in a very entertaining way and seeing this in 2021 and having this film be uh almost 30 years old is like incredible to me because it had so much foresight you know it's like very um even of this moment that was probably one of my favorite parts about it was that it had a lot to say, but it kind of leaves it up to you a little bit to interpret. Yeah, and that's, to me, that that is Candyman. Like, yeah. That is their, and that's why it does have that cult following, because I think a lot of people resonate with it, because it is more, um, more of an identifiable story. And what's crazy is, like, we watched... Uh, not that long ago, we reviewed the newest Saw movie, and we're like, "Man, right. you have all the setup, like you, but you have no balls. Like you, you didn't take the step to like do some sort of exactly. uh, commentary this is on the what exact the opposite of that. Yeah, this it's is like all fucking in 1992. That's insane. Very, um, I think it's like bra- a brave kind of movie. You know, like yeah. even Tony uh, Tony Todd's performance, like." are you concerned about the pain? He's like, the pain will be exquisite. You know, he's yeah. like, he's, he's trying to like kind of lure this Helen Lyle character into his like submission. And, and everything that he's saying is not some regular horror movie stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. it reads almost like, uh, yeah, like folklore, something that's a little bit more, uh, like ornamental, you know what I mean? There's something that's not super concise and 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 easy about it. It's very like so. Uh, I'm it's glad deep on a lot of levels. You know what I mean? It is. It's hard to communicate uh, what it is about this movie that makes it so unique without just seeing it. And I, I hope hopefully most everyone has seen it. But there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot there. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, more like the feel and the mood and the atmosphere because. This is an adaptation of a Clive Barker uh, novel. So the original novel was called The Forbidden. And Clive Barker also wrote The Hellbound Heart that was uh, adapted into Hellraiser. Yes, you were telling so me about some of this. So in a lot of ways, a lot of the dialogue about like being maybe like like almost uh, teetering the line of like torture and almost... Yes, like some BDSM yeah. or some some kind of like masochism. I'm stuff. gonna like 
dominate you and you're yeah, going to be my victim. That so I I'm, I I don't know that much about Clive Barker's work, but I did see a lot of similarities to like how Hellraiser is like your pain will be legendary yeah. even in hell. <laughs> you know, like it, it some of those Exquisite lines Exquisite pain is from Hellraiser. Yeah, or so I mean like, I guess it's from Candyman or whatever. Ooh, however, which yeah. ever came first. Right. I, um but the, it does seem to be like an underlying theme. Um, but yeah, that, that did stick out to me whenever I was kind of diving The writing in. is excellent, you know? No, like, the writing is, and I think both films were adapted. I think Clive Barker might have directed Hellraiser even, mm. but I, I know he at least did the screenplay for both. Um, but yeah, that, to me, that's something that stood out cause it's like, it's not the same, but it, but it is similar. Um, one of the things that I really, really love about this original movie is the score, uh, the cinematography, and like the the kind of establishing shots of Chicago. Yeah. So right whenever you start the movie off, first like thirty seconds of the movie, it has this nice aerial shot of Chicago, and it has like this kind of synth score thing going on where they do the title Candyman scroll, yeah. and then it's showing like a car driving down the street, and every time like. Because this may be my fourth or fifth time watching it. Every time yeah. I watch it, right when that title hits and the synth hits, I'm it like, hits. damn, like, the, uh, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. It just kind of, for me, that's the kind of stuff that, like, pulls me in. Like, yeah. okay, you're taking the extra initiative artistically, and, like, yes. I, I resonate with it that. It sets up its identity right away. Yeah, know? yeah. It establishes itself as, like, this is an original kind of movie. To have any undertone or or obvious themes about race in a film like this at this time, I'm pretty sure is just like not a thing. You know? Oh no. So it, it, it has its own voice and it definitely, that's one of the strengths of the movie to me is that it's, it's set up in a way that feels like an artistic statement, you know, definitely uh, there to me, the, the original one, it seems like there was a lot of attention to detail. Like it's really gritty yep. and dirty looking like, there's a lot of graffiti and kind of like... Uh, There's a danger to the whole thing. Yeah, man. but it seems real. It seems like tangible. Like whenever I look at it, to me, you know, I've never been to Chicago, but to me, like that looks like a real place that exists. It looks like a kind of urban area with graffiti everywhere. And it's like, okay, that looks like a city. That looks like right. a real actual place that this character would go. It's not like... an actual people inside the community. You right. Know? It's not a James Wan set where it looks mm. like too perfect and pristine. It's like, yeah. this looks like a real place. Like we time. could, we could go there yeah. like that. It looks like it exists in yep. the same world that I live in. Yep. Um, but that, that's what I really like about it. And I think that's what, resonates yeah, with a lot of point. people that's an interesting point is it's not framed in a way that's too fantastical no. even as far out as it gets it's very visceral you know mm -hmm. it does not feel like it's light or or in another space it's like this is in our space you know it's that's the thing about the Candyman thing is it's almost like challenging you to participate in that way as to say that it's not real but it kind of it's like it's like the idea of it is real, but it itself isn't. But that's kind but of that's what like interests. That world is like our world, you know? Right, it's, right. It, it, it is our world, you know? But to me, so like the Which contrast. Which is super interesting to me. I know, I know. It is. And I honestly, I think that's what makes Candyman like one of the standout kind yeah. of iconic 
like horror icons of, of the 90s is it is so much different but it like resonates with people a lot yep and i think there is a nice artistic balance in this movie of kind of that gritty um gritty kind of dark dirty look kind of paired with these really really nice cinematic shots i don't know if you noticed um a lot of the shots of uh virginia madsen what does the close-up it almost does like the hitchcock kind of lighting mm-hmm. like straight in her face and she's she's blonde she's a young blonde attractive woman it looks like you know, uh, classic in certain vertigo ways. or the birds or something. She looks like a Hitchcock character. She looks like the, the, the main character, uh, in one of his stories, but they're lit and framed sort of like how he did a little bit in vertigo. Like it's lit straight on. Dude, they were, you, you get that kind of like old, old Hollywood feel almost. And in, in some senses, but then immediately contrasted with like a darker kind of yeah. undertone. There's quality to the whole thing. Yeah. It's very cinematic. I think. Yeah. I, f- there were multiple times in both of these films, the 2021 and the 1992 version where my jaw was like, I was, I was fucking like, it's when you're seeing a movie for the first time and it takes you by surprise. It happens yeah. so many times in both of these movies. Um, and particularly with older horror movies, for me, that doesn't happen all the time. And there were just a lot of moments in there where I was thinking, this is pretty singular. I haven't seen this before. Yeah. Um, this is definitely this is definitely a standout of that time period to me. But having just now seen this and really dug into it I guess the first time uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I would I would definitely say this is like a four star. Uh, the original three and a one? half to four for me. Yeah. Okay. I would say that's fair. I every few years I kind of revisit this one. If 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 four because of how poignant like the subject matter is and like how timeless it's proven to be. You know, like it doesn't feel dated. You can tell that it's a movie of this time period, but at the same time, it feels like vital to right now. So that's not super easy yeah. to do. You know, like it's definitely three and a half because I'd watch it multiple times and enjoy it. And I would say maybe four, just based on on some of those other things: the writing, the photography, like the casting. The casting is really spot on. Uh, Tony Todd was like born to play this role too. Like he's menacing, but there's this kind of. Uh, almost like sweetness to him too, he's like where it's like a little bit. yeah, you want him to be on the screen more because he's such a like a, presence on screen. Yeah, but then he is very good at being menacing, also. Dude, when he's floating and stuff, like yeah. There's, there's some moments in there. It's like it's like a a dream or like a nightmare or something. Oh know? yeah, for something sure. Something subconscious, you know. Um, what would you? How would you rate something like that? I think I would put this at a solid three point five. It's not by any means like the it's best not a movie ever made. Movie. Right, but um, man, there I'd are. I'd say three and a half to four is good. Yeah, there there's some some things I really like about it, and there's I think there's a lot of things I really like about it. Yeah, I think that's why I revisit it every few years. It's definitely like on on my list of movies I would rewatch. You know, yeah. every so often just to kind of just c- kind of get an update uh, in my brain. 
because I watch a lot of bullshit. I kind of forget <laughs> stuff. Got to go back and see the good stuff. Yeah, but, um, man, even, like, the ending, like, where they're doing the bonfire and there's, like, a community thing, there's there's so much going on there and there's so much to pull from. It, and it, it's bubbling under the surface. It's not quite right. as it, literal, you know? It's, it's very uh, unspoken in some ways. It's obvious, but it's... It's not. It's obvious, but it's like kind of begging to the, be looked at, but it, but not immediately. Uh, right, right. It doesn't the hit first you. thing in the frame. You know, it doesn't hit you over the head with the theme. Yes. but it's there. Yeah. So I did take a couple of notes while I was watching the original one. I put uh, ahead of its time. Underlined yeah. story about gentrification, whitewashing. Uh, example: Walking around the hood, white woman getting out on bail for a murder charge. Yeah, that's just. And then <laughs> I put interracial sexual overtones because I think uh, there was. Yeah, know, there's a, a lot of that. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for 1992, that was a little progressive. I was almost surprised whenever I found out this came out in 1992. Yeah. Uh, I also put boyfriend is Todd from Terminator 2, <laughs> and then Todd. Um. Oh, her boyfriend plays uh, a character that gets uh, murdered by a T-1000. He's out pretty too. quick, though, huh? Yeah, that's just the only other movie I've yeah. seen. Right? <laughs> um, and then I put casually smoking indoors, 90s. Yeah. Because every time I watch a movie when they're smoking indoors, I'm like, wow, you could do that. And that wasn't even that long ago. It was when I was alive. Wow. Um, right. We man. were kids and they were fucking smoking in restaurants. Yeah. And shit. But I just, I kind of forget that that ever even happened. And then I see it yeah, in the movie, I'm like, damn, that. that is pretty wild. It definitely dates it a little bit. But I think a lot of this movie is pretty timeless, actually. I think three and, three and a half is right on the money, actually. Because that, four is entering into a little bit more of a a rare territory. And three and a half is very good. That's very good, you know? I would say definitely see Candyman 1992. Now, I'm going to just briefly for the next 20 seconds bra- uh, breeze over Candyman 2 and Candyman 3. Yeah, let's um, talk about it. You saved a really good, what, three, t- three and a half to four hours of your life not watching <laughs> these. Uh, Candyman 2, Farewell to Flesh. Farewell to Flesh. The only note I wrote was lame. It's not good. Candyman 3. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even bother putting the sub name. All I put was garbage. Um, all right, and so that catches <laughs> us up to Candyman 2021. Which um, was... I thought I think this was a very good movie, man. Man, so yeah, I mean, we're I'm kind of joking, but I really did watch those sequels, and they're really bad. They really oh, are. I know you did. I one of them takes your, place in uh, New Orleans. One of them takes place in uh, somewhere else that's not New Orleans. Uh, Mexico. Should there in Mexico really? for a little bit? Yeah, and I thought it was weird that Candyman was traveling, but um, we're back. Candyman was tra- that is interesting <laughs> because so much of the story is about Chicago. Around yeah, let's look at um, what projects are Candyman? Um, uh, Green Greenwald or something. I'm, gonna, Green? I'm about to find out. Cabrini Green. Oh, damn I knew it. it was Green. I never would have remembered um, that. Man, so I'll set up Candyman 2021. Okay. I thought it was interesting. We did note this that Jordan Peele is listed first among the writers of this film. I don't know if that's just because his profile is so large, but I get the I didn't know that he had written any of this. Yeah, I didn't either. And now I almost get the impression that he but then co-wrote one of the, this with Nia DaCosta, who's the director, yeah. and another collaborator. Which, um, did you hear that this just broke the record for like the highest grossing film by a... a black woman director. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, man, this movie was pretty fucking good. Um, yeah, let's just set it up. So, Anthony McCoy is the is the central character in this. He he's almost like the Helen Lyle of this film and that he's having these direct experiences with, with the Candyman phenomenon. Yeah. But he's an artist and he is being called on by this white promoter, this guy who's going to put him in shows, right, to be the next great black voice from Chicago. This white guy is like telling him how best to to how do to, that which how was how to dial his voice. Which was <laughs> hilarious to me and he was like almost drawing on what parts of his experience to that they could sell, you know? Yeah. He was like, uh, you know, this is like about one of those, he was, he was telling him about this idea to study Cabrini green or something. And he was like, Oh, like the South side where you grew up. And he's like, well, the South side's kind of tired now. Like and he's like, well, how about Cabrini <laughs> green? And he's like, oh, okay. Like that could work kind of a thing. But it's funny that this, that's new, that could <laughs> yeah. work. but this black artist is the, is the center piece of this, film which is anthony mccoy this main character he has a girlfriend who also promotes his art yeah she's more of a promoter but he's an artist right like she runs yes. a studio well she's something. yeah a gallery owner and she helps sell the work yeah she is uh played by tayana paris she was in mad Men. she's been in a lot of stuff this cast is awesome vanessa williams uh that character shows back up or i guess that actress shows back up she plays the mother in the first film of the baby that gets kidnapped but this cast is awesome uh basically this artist he starts exploring the the cabrini green story some of the helen lyle audio tapes and he becomes familiar with this lore and it basically takes a a hold of his like artistic work and that's kind of how we're brought into the Candyman story 2021 yeah yeah i think that's it and uh, I feel like I'm terrible. At horror ensues. It, it it escalates from there. Yeah. But he becomes familiar with the Candyman phenomenon by going back to Cabrini Green because this white promoter of art is kind of telling him they need something new from him, and he has to kind of draw on something that's not completely his own because that's kind of tired now. Yeah. Which, there's all of that kind of racial, the undertones that are present in the first film totally show back up in this movie i think this movie was a lot more focused clear and direct with with some of the commentary on that stuff yeah because they're talking about the same areas of chicago i think the um i think virginia madsen's character lived in cabrini green and the original Candyman. yes and i think they very loosely uh, she's like looking at a newspaper article like, oh, Cabrini Green, that used to be the projects and that's where this happened and this happened. Oh, this story, I'll go over here and investigate it. It's like, it's brushed over. It's there. It's, it's right. not that it's not there. It's just not as much of the narrative as it is in the new one. Right. Um, but times are, you know. But also, the, even just the commentary on these things, they made a very specific point right. to talk about the ways that artists contribute to the to the <laughs> the gentrification of communities, you know. Yeah, that was an interesting kind observation. Of There's a lot of that, and it's very assertive and and direct and pointed with its commentary, you know. Well, yeah, but I thought it was and interesting this, too that like the character that's saying that is this wealthy like white woman saying woman. like, well, artists also contribute to gentrification because it's art people that want to have a shitty studio in the hood, like right. rich people don't want to live there, and it's like, right. well, fuck you, like where are we supposed to live, you know, like what area of the city 
right. could they afford, afford to live? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I just, I think it's, it's very timely now, you know, to bring up those kind of arguments because that's the reality for living in any major city. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is the reality of every major city. Is like right. The, and and I thought Chicago it was, is just slightly more populated than Houston, but like, you know, where we are. But Houston, we could see this same easily exceed that within the next few years. And we see the same thing happening here. All, right. All the so, time. so a lot of that did hit home with me, and I'm like, well, you know, that, no, I thought that, it, that's what it is. I thought it was spot on. I thought the commentary was actually. That was a thread for me from the original film. If anything, they expounded on a lot yes. of the themes, the lore um, that was present in the first film. But they just they it was very concise. Where the first film is a little bit more poetic, this was very like it's like a gut punch in a lot of ways. They're really yeah. like showing you what it is in a funny way, um, in a way that was kind of painful at times, like to 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 just see and kind of. Uh, Man, like the t- when the, when the critic is kind of shitting on him at his own show and kind of asserting her position over him, and gentrification is like at the heart of this film, and he's commenting on it, and she's telling him about the ways he like, know, oh, it's actually your that's fault. like, damn, you're like, it's like almost painful to watch, you know, because there is a lot of commentary in there, but they do it in a way that's entertaining. Is what I'm trying to say. I think to me, um, a lot of that is Jordan Peele's writing style. Like he does. So, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of Get Out, and I really liked Us, too. Yep. Maybe just barely, slightly a taste less than I liked Get Out, but still, I, I really liked Us. But I think Jordan Peele, like, just from seeing those movies and knowing that he was one of the main writers of this movie, I think that's kind of his style. Like, it's social commentary. Yes, it's horror because of the social commentary. It all ties in together, and there's always going to be the comedic element. There's yeah. always going to be a little bit of humor. He has a really good balance of like sprinkling in some stuff, especially with the side character, the brother-in-law, um, or I guess her her uh, uh, Brianna Troy Cartwright's Cartwright character. Cartwright is the character. That's Brianna Cartwright's brother. Yeah. Right. Right. His character delivers a lot of the humor. Yeah. Um, he had a great comedic time. But not so much that it overshadows what's going on. It's just kind of it gives it more of like a real life element. Like that's how someone would react to and like. And it breaks up some of these more heavy themes and also yeah. the more violent elements in you the film. You can't go all the way serious or all the way horror because sometimes it gets like goofy when you're trying to take yourself too seriously. You have to have like those elements of like humanity. It's a good blend. To yeah. Like, yeah, to round it off. Um. But man, I like to say that this exceeded my expectations for a sequel of a of a movie that's thirty years old. Um, to say it exceeded my expectations would be like an understatement because well, I, I really didn't expect much. I mean, I watched the, I watched the sequels, I had seen the trailer, and I was like, man, at best it'll be better than these shitty sequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, well, I wasn't holding out fact, that much hope. I think it's really interesting that I did not even, and I don't know that it was promoted in a way that let you know it was a direct sequel to the original film. I don't want to get into I think into it the, was like implied that like... 
but like, any movie that comes out now is is a direct sequel of the original because that's just like the Halloween. I didn't think 20. that any characters would be reprising roles from that film. Is oh, all okay. I'm saying. Yeah, right? and so there's like, a there's a really good. I I don't want to dabble into the into yeah. the uh, no spoilers, spoilers, but there are characters who reprise their roles. Yeah, there's a really good. T- kind of twist I guess and um, I didn't realize it was going to be like that specifically I think that's very hard to do and all that to say this was really pretty perfectly executed in a lot of ways I loved yeah. the way that they drew on the story of the Candyman of the 1992 film the lore specifically of that and then also of the Sherman character who was central to this Narrative, right? It's the introduction. I, I guess I love the concept that Candyman could be um, representative of any number of victims of uh, abuse. Of like, you know, like these characters were um, murdered brutally. You know, right? And by white um, people of their times. You know, like cops or just an um, angry mob. But that story passes through time that's like right, the thread right. is that like it could be 200 years ago or it could be right now white people are killing black people in horrific ways you know and that this thread of Candyman, that's part of what it represents man they did that in a really pretty effective and way and like each generation kind of has its own its own embodiment or in its that own way, yeah. yeah um that's pretty powerful stuff it's not I, easy to do and especially not to make it entertaining and and actually something you would want to like watch you know yeah, yeah, and uh, I was surprised at how, I guess, how elegantly it was pulled off, right? Because even just saying, like, the idea, it's like, oh... It's heavy a little bit. Right, it's interesting, but, like, how would that play out on screen? And uh, this cast is really, really deep. It did uh, it did have a lot of strong performances. I haven't seen uh, uh, the main actor, what, uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen. I, I, have I haven't seen, seen him, him in anything, but, excellent. Like, Spot on. Dialed in. Everything. But I love Tiana Paris. She's from Mad Men, one of my favorite TV shows ever. She shows up. She she was the secretary for, like, the principal character in that show. But, like, the two of them together, really, really good. And then they reprised uh, a character from the original one. The mother of the abducted baby. Right. That's central to that story in the first film. She's back. It all came together really well. Yeah. And I think paired too with you know, you talked about the original one being maybe a little bit more poetic and, and artistic. This one to me was a pretty good balance of story wise, I think the script might have been a little bit better Stronger, written. Yeah. There's more the more script, emphasis I don't know that on, I would say that specifically, but I would say that the, the narrative is very uh, it's, it pulls you right in. It's more focused, I think, yeah. in a Focus lot of ways. Good... And I think there's more thought put into like the social commentary than the original one, where the original one might have touched on it, or it right. might have been it's a there theme, in the background. This one is very more central. Deliberate. And they um, do a really good job of making concise points and observations about any number of things as it relates to race gentrification like what it's like living in a city or an impoverished community right having the city kind of take steps to actively the city's like, almost a character you. and and these movies you know like the original one 
you know, the area that she's investigating in, that's almost an embodiment of like a character itself, or like that yep. is Candyman. Like everybody has this like uneasy right. feeling about this this spirit or this this energy that's in that area. And this one, there there's like these haunting uh, kind of extended shots where they're follow shots or you're just watching an air. Like there's one scene where... Dude, the uh, credits of this had me... I was in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like just the opening title scroll, there was upside down shots that was of really Chicago cool. just going it, through the city and there's some beautiful stuff in there. The The music was amazing. Dude, there's there's a lot of things I really like about this movie. I thought this, the, the score was really, really well done. And the well, sound design. Yeah, with the bees. And amazing. It, to me, fluorescent lights. Uh, any, every little element that was present in the film on screen, we heard, you know? Yeah. And, and in a way that was really. Well, there was a part in the movie I that I was telling you, I was like, man, this is almost like 2001, you know? Like, where they would do that, and it like builds up, yeah, and yeah. to the point where you're like, stop, stop the, like, it's like too intense. Like, this kind of did that with like the B sound. It would have like a little buzz. One B, and then oh, another one comes, and it's just buzzing, buzzing, yeah. buzzing, buzzing, like. But getting to the point where it's like almost like fever pitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the the sound design was great. Masterful. It was really, really well done. I thought that was one of the best parts of the film. The cinematography, some of these the shots, color correction. I love yeah. the color balancing, the blues, the reds. This was really like uh, a very like. It sounds crazy to say it was a very beautiful. Um, palette that they had for this movie yeah. you know the colors are rich the style of the movie is really rich i think when something's comparable to the first film is that there's a style to the the fashion of the film i think there was that with this film too yeah. like um there it was, was there was, it was a lot, like of this time it was but... really it was rich in a lot of ways the sound the music the cinematography the performances the cinematography really kind of blew me away like even just the um framing of some of the shots where you would see like mirrors that would frame another character kind of out of focus because you never really see candy man until you see, you get a couple of glimpses at him and then the end you kind of see him more it's always Dude. like there's he's a... there, but he's not there. You see, like, glimpses of him, and that is some of the best uh, some of the best decisions you can make in a horror movie. We've talked about that before, too, that you don't want to reveal too much too early. Right. A lot it's of a this... It's a build-up to seeing... What I liked about this film versus the first film, um, one thing I liked better, actually, was that you rarely see Candyman. We only typically see him in the reflection of of an action that's taking place, but sometimes we see um, murders happening or, or victims being chosen and we don't see Candyman at all. It's out of the perspective of seeing... Well, no, candy. you just see like a body floating Well, that's in space, what I mean. You know so what I mean? You, it's like a perspective of a of a, a viewer of a, you know, from a different viewpoint. Like they don't see Candyman, they see Where in the first murder. film you do tend to see him, you see him in reflections as well, but like he's, he's present in some of those shots. I thought that was interesting. Um, there are some moments in here where my jaw was just fucking dropped and there's a, there's a mirror sequence in this film um, where the lead, uh, Anthony McCoy, this, this character just, man, the actor just fucking yeah, he like incredible. He goes up to a mirror and sees Candyman as the mirror of himself, but the choreography and he's is interacting like really... with that version of himself. 
um, this was up to, to the level visually of like there was something happening on screen there where for the first like solid hour and 20 minutes of this movie I was like damn is this a perfect movie like is it that yeah. kind of movie that scene to me I was the only other modern horror film I can even compare it to would be like hereditary where maybe midsummer like where there's an image that's so unsettling and so strange and like perfect in its execution um that's the level that some of those shots are on to me i i just couldn't yeah, think of anything that i had really seen like that other than those things i just mentioned which was i just love that and i was not expecting to see that in the fourth Candyman movie, right? <laughs> I, I, I really wasn't. Like, my expectations going into this were, like, kind of low. Pretty low, yeah. And I knew Jordan Peele was Involved. attached to it, but I thought he was just a producer, and, you know... That's what I thought. My initial thought was, like, oh, they're just using his name because, like, you know, Candyman uh, is, is popular already, and if we have Candyman Jordan Peele, people will pay for those tickets. But yeah. um, I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised, surprised at like his involvement in it and i think that just kind of goes to show like he's the kind of person that's going to put a little bit of extra yeah he's gonna he's gonna give it some more extra attention it seemed like it had some tlc i very much like this movie i I did i would say what were you gonna say i did make a note before you get into uh the reviews is that i really 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 liked that the story was kind of um it was kind of framed around like a kid doing this puppet show kind of thing where it had mm. these little the, uh, the puppet sequences. little shadow puppet sequences because they're so cool looking. They look really, really great. And yes, there's other <laughs> movies that it. no, they do. They look awesome. No, they, this was a, it was a, actually a really the whole title scroll or the credit at the end was all. Yeah, that. it was. Yeah. But, it was uh, actually a central part of the way that they. It was set because the movie. the kid character kind of shows Narrates up later on, yeah. yeah, and he is an essential part of the story later on too. Yeah. Um, but man, that looked really cool. It looked great, <laughs> and I just love, yeah, I love the narration with the little shadow puppet things, and what a what a artistically. Um, it's just an interesting approach and but the, effective you know yeah really in the fourth movie in a series to go like all right we're gonna really take the time to dive into the lore does itself. anyone even know that those other two films exist other than me maybe not i mean some some people do right right they're not like and, rob zombie you know like <laughs> <laughs> like people who are like super into horror and watch that shit all day they're like oh yeah Candyman two you know fear of flesh 1994 <laughs> yep <laughs> Um, but like, you know, like I didn't realize even that there were, uh, there were other ones. Well, I knew that there were other ones. I didn't know how many or whatever, but it is interesting that you point that out. And that is even more rare. Right. That like, to me, you know, uh, initially after we were talking about it, cause I was pretty shocked at the amount of detail, amount of work, the artistic direction that this one took to me, it seemed like they actually cared about like, all right, let's take it all the way back to the original one. Like what worked and what could we like improve on or dive deeper into what's a different angle we could take you know how do we make a sequel and improve on the story because really if you're not going to improve on the story at all what's the point of making another movie yeah and we see it all the time with remakes or sequels or prequels or whatever it's like why did you even do this like why come to this source material if you're not going to add to it this is fertile ground artistically too you know it's it's there's really is something to that original it's a shame that the second and third films are so bad, and that's probably it's a shame that they exist. I'm sure that this, what's you know, 
that's an interesting point because we're 30 years on. These are probably people who were influenced by that first film oh, yeah, in a meaningful sure. way to where they have a certain respect for the Absolutely. That's what you know it's like because the people who make the sequels immediately after they're that's a different that's thing. A cash grab. You know what I mean? It's like Let's get it in while it's hot. Candyman is the, you know. Yep. It's yep. In versus now, it's probably like, this person's like, dude, we have to make a fucking sequel to Candyman, you know? Like, right. With and some we can do it. We got to take this angle and we got to dive yeah. deeper into they like, did a really good the job folklore. And it just, to me, it, it really, really worked. I appreciate all of the extra uh, attention given to the details, right? Um Man, I so like I, I guess initially when we were walking out of the theater, I was like, man, this is one of the best sequels ever, really, in my opinion. Yes, we <laughs> talked about Scream 2. Yes. But like initially when I walked out, we were talking about uh, Empire Strikes Back yep. and how like the original Star Wars, you know, they kind of touch on the force and like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, this is this is what Obi-Wan told you, but Obi-Wan's dead and you have to go meet this Jedi master out on a secluded planet and you have to learn the real meaning of like the the force in the world around you and your part it's, in the galaxy it's like i felt deeper. like this kind of um now i'm not saying it's empire strike back strikes back level but yeah. it took that step to like let's dive deeper into the story what's another angle of the story that's interesting yeah. it's very 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 rare that that happens in it's, a sequel it's such a it's a really smart way to make a sequel it seems yeah. like the most kind of it seems like something you would want to do, but it's so rare. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every, I think a lot of people have a good intent, maybe, when making a sequel. But the studios are. There's, yeah, there's, there's too so much many forces at work, you know? And, yeah. and it seemed like this, I think you're right, that there was a lot of intention there. It was like they wanted to take some of that source material. And yeah, like, there was a voice to this that wasn't even present in the first film. That's what I mean. Especially as far as the social commentary goes, I think they. They really expounded on all of that um, and gave us more. There's a lot to think about in in both of these films. The first film, I feel like, is a little bit more under the radar. This is like confronting worldviews, you know, right, like which right. is actually I, I thought, man, it's just not easy to do that and make it super entertaining and fun and actually rewarding just as a movie, you know, and and, and it looked great too. Yeah, they did every really every job. scene looked good. Um, How would you rate it? I would say I'm going to go four. I'm going to go four. That's what I was going to say. All right. I know maybe with the, with the most super diehard Candyman fans, candy fans out there, uh, that maybe th this might not be the most popular uh, view on it. I think they it, did a really good job with this, this I, movie. I have seen countless shitty sequels to <laughs> countless movies is the fact that it's a sequel and it's good is that to me that's that's, that's mind-blowing like even no i don't even think so because there's think about how many remakes and sequels you've seen that have just been absolute but i'm saying ass. do you like, think that that is is um juicing up our scores a little bit because for sure for okay, sure okay. That's because that's because the 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 to me the metric is so low for having mm. like Okay, we did a movie 30 years ago. 
Let's make a sequel. Godfather Three, for instance, is garbage. It's fucking awful. Yeah, it's like, like, don't even. Watch I'm it. thinking of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, or a Halloween sequel, mm. or Friday the Thirteenth, or Halloween H Two O. Name your yeah, name your franchise. Any sequel they they did, you know they remade Poltergeist like uh, five <laughs> years ago, and it was one, it was fucking horrible. Right, right. Like, why do a remake or a sequel if you're not going to add to it? This and time they actually did. They did. Like, it's fucking shocking. It it finally happened. Like in present That's day. True. They finally, somebody figured it out. God bless Jordan Peele and his uh, creative genius. Like, he finally... Monkey Paw Productions. Yeah, he was like, I'm, I'm sure he probably stepped in and was like, if I'm involved, I get 100% <laughs> like creative uh, well, artistic not, vision. Let's not discount Nia DaCosta either. No, the, no, no. The director I'm, I'm, of this movie yeah, I, also co-wrote the movie and... and, sh- and the direction of this movie was spot on too. Yeah, it was absolutely perfect, and I'm right sure that, she's a fan of the original too. Right. It's probably just a good a good team effort. Uh, but Jordan Peele absolutely is one of the voices of this time, and to see that he was involved in the level that he was, it does make sense because the movie was very high quality. And I know I'm a super fan of Jordan Peele. <laughs> Seen every episode of Key and Peele. I really I really <laughs> enjoy his comedy and his movies, but damn. Wow. So what would you you say in four? I put it four stars. I'm I would put say, it better than the original. This I'm go- one of the few times I I'll amend, ever say that. I want to amend my score. I want to say I'm going to go three and a half, two four stars for both movies. That's fair. Because three and a half on the first because it's not perfect, but I do kind of want to go four on the first one because it's so ahead of its time. Yeah. And then three and a half on this film because the last 10 to 15 minutes to me I feel like it was it, fanfare it, a little it bit. It just wasn't at that same level, just my opinion, of the first. At the rest of the movie was perfect. I mean, just about as close to perfect as you could be. It was only in the last 10 minutes that I, I felt a little bit like there's a lot going on, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I think I just need to also see it again. Yeah. Both, in both cases, but I'd say three and a half to four on both. Definitely see these, though. I'm going to go see it again on Friday. I'm going to go to the drive-in at Moon Tower and go see it. Yeah, I want to see it with Danny. I feel like she'd like it too. But I, I think you're I think you're spot on. I think you're right. Um, That's a moving target. You could go either way, you know? And I think some fans will think that the original is so ahead of its time that, that this movie couldn't exist without it. Right. So they'll go to the, well, yeah, to, the yeah. to that four length. And that's fair. That's but fair. this movie did expound on the original in, in, in any number of ways. I'll um, even agree with you that the last ten minutes weren't the best part of the movie. Yeah. And to me, I told you earlier to use another Star Wars reference. I was like, it's kind of like Rogue One, <laughs> where Darth Vader like goes like Super Saiyan at the end, and he's just like doing his thing. We get a lot of. It's juice. like you know, fans have been like wanting right Darth Vader to do that for, and it's kind of like the fanboy moment. And you know, there was a moment when the film could have ended and been absolutely devastating, yes. and and just maybe up there with one, some of the. I mean, if if the movie had ended at one point, I think it's up there in like Oscar territory. You know, damn. I think I, I do, and it's not common for horror movies at all. But I feel like that ending could have been so devastating that it almost makes you think about it in a whole other way. Yeah, where this ending was very much it was pleasing. You know, like we wanted well, it looked, to. It looked really good, and we but, wanted to see. Yeah, what happened. You know, right. you're rewarded in a certain way in the end, but I feel like if it had been a little bit more true to life, where the first, you know, like we were talking about the shared worlds of these movies, like that it is like our world, that was the only part that felt 
not quite like our world. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll, I definitely agree with you there. But I think this movie, that's not to say, I mean, it was really, really good. And I do need to see it again. I feel like three and a half to four is good. Yeah. I would say definitely see it, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would definitely recommend it. If you're a fan of horror or if you're a fan of the franchise or yes. a fan of Jordan Peele's work, <laughs> the great and wonderful Jordan Peele. The Alfred Hitchcock of our time. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are we going to see next? What are we doing next? I don't even know. What's on the what's on the horizon? I don't know what's on the docket. I know Wes Anderson has a film coming out soon. Dune is coming out. We keep fucking talking about Oh, yeah, about that's Dune. next month. I'm excited for Dune. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll be back at it. Hopefully you guys fucking go to the movies we were the only two people or no there were two other people <laughs> two people came in later and they were playing on their phones but i did see them there <laughs> y'all need to get out there go to the movies or else this whole thing is is toast yeah this is gonna be only 15 dollar hot dogs <laughs> and uh, nothing being played <laughs> all right you guys um this is john this is sean this is the john sean <laughs> <laughs>